Welcome to Tech Bytes with TechNext. Here, we bring to you a brief roundup of everything exciting about the tech space across Africa and indeed the entire globe. From startup announcements to new inventions and the latest buzz boosts on the social space, we will be sharing industry important highlights and exploring the news within the news. We will also be bringing industry experts to share opinions about major news for the week. And most importantly, watch out for our exciting future for this week. We are sure it will be an exciting session you won't want to miss. Let us begin. What's up, people? You're welcome to Tech Bytes with TechNext. Um, we're set to bring to you everything exciting about the tech space across Africa and indeed the entire globe. Um, mm-hmm. My name is David Afolayo. I want to welcome you especially once again to our podcast. And I have with me our foundational tech bro. Nasu, <laughs> <laughs> hi everyone. Good day. <laughs> yeah, that's been a while actually. Um, yeah. So, past week has been very intense for us at TechNext because we are planning our biggest um, blockchain event for the year conference 2022 um I mean, check out the landing page mm-hmm. conference someone said you are super heroes you just did guts <laughs> over there then conference again uh, it's like double, i don't double. Want, i don't want to tell you the story <laughs> just check it out so but we are going to be having a, a very exciting list of speakers for this event mm, um, yeah last year we had two panel sessions but this year we'll be having five and some will be breakout sessions so come around and learn about the DeFi space yeah um, metaverse how to build a career in blockchain and most importantly how to make money from nfts very important <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah check it out conference.technex.ng and you're going to see it. so this week we'll be sharing exciting news across the space um we'll be talking about important things that you might have missed out in the african tech space especially and we're going to be having an exciting conversation with a thought leader in the nigerian tech space we are having with us dr charles ifedi ceo of bank ebanko uh, on and we're going to be having conversation on on businesses in africa and our topic for today is beyond acquisitions building profitability through users retention in africa so dr charles Ifedi is with us you're welcome sir thanks thanks very much and thanks for having me here today great so first let's let's have the juice from the from the program we're going to be speaking to you about businesses in africa stick around to get the juice now, first, let's go around the world of tech in 10 minutes. Dummy. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So first, uh, Mrs. Ibukwa Woshika and Leslie Masdop has been appointed to Binance Advisory Board. Um, mm, these yeah. are two prominent figures in Africa um, with over 25 years experience each. What do you think about this appointment? Yeah, I saw, I saw the appointment, I think, yesterday or day for yesterday, and it was it was really good. I, I enjoyed the Ibukuma Woshika vibe, especially she was first bank, uh, this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now getting that recognition in a global tech company like that just shows that Nigeria has the ability and the, you know, people are innovative. Is you know Konjo that is also on the board for Twitter. For Twitter, yeah. yeah. And so this is this is just another very very good thing and innovation. Yep. So it's exciting that we have um, Ibukuma Woshika, a woman, the mm-hmm. first woman yeah. chairman for First Bank. Uh, what is quite intriguing for me is Binance is a new age company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, they need the old guys yeah, now. Yeah, you're, you're going in to get the old generation banking person mm-hmm. to, I mean, 
Yeah, because Binance actually recently have been having lots of regulatory issues, you know, mm-hmm. in several countries that they are currently in, and you know, so there are lots of that. I think they're kind of more present in the US currently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you need these guys who have the experience in the space, these guys who have done the finance space for decades to be able to, you know, talk to somebody and somebody, somebody, somebody. Exactly. And you know, advise you to be like, okay, do like this, do like this, yeah, do like this. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, because Binance biggest challenge, like you said, is is, is dealing with regulation. Mm-hmm. So there is a need crypto, to have people so. who can who can advise them on very complex regulatory processes. And like you said, political and social affiliation. Very, mm-hmm. very important, very important. so um, you need those, yeah, those so, powers so just for you to know um these two people are not the only people that have been appointed on binance's advisory board we have 11 other people and looking at the list is a very rich one it's a we have people one. from the us <laughs> from korea from brazil and most of them are political advisors and former bank directors so gives binance a strong footing especially now that they are looking at a very strong global expansion mm. and for a while a lot of people think I've thought that Binance is a Chinese company. No, they are And um, recently, they had to they had to fight that narrative. Yeah, Zijim, yeah. Although it's a what's it called? It's a Chinese <laughs> yeah, Chan, Chan, CEO, but, Chan Zan, yeah, but, but, or something. I mean, the same but, way, the same way Google, the same way Microsoft are CEOs, CEOs that, that are Indian, not and Americans. All, yeah. yeah, so. Binance is not a Chinese company. They're saying they're a global company. Yeah, so to, to be able to get that global presence, I think they are they're acquiring yeah. a they're on, they're on the right track, so that's I how it goes. I agree. Now, to the second story, Kenya and Nigeria drop out of the top 10 countries on the 2022 Global Crypto Adoption Index. For all of you that used to be pride in everyone. No, it's 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 the market. You won't blame us. <laughs> so, <laughs> Safa so, is joking. <laughs> well, we don't know. But but uh, last year, um, Nigeria was fifth, mm-hmm. number yeah, five globally. country on the world that, that has the highest number of crypto adopters. Um, Kenya was around seventh. Mm. But this year we are eleventh, and Kenya is fourteenth. Uh, we've dropped by six places. Yeah, I think the market has sort of saturated for now because the people were supposed to be in. I mean, the tech guys, the people who had the tech know-how, are mm-hmm. in already. Mm-hmm. So the market is sort of saturated now. I think the next phase will be bringing out, bringing those underserved and unbanked into that space. That doesn't really get the next boom. But currently, I think the market is good. Then there's Shak- Sakwa too, you know. I, mean. <laughs> I, know, I know the conversation we had, we had with Osama, uh, the CEO of GIG, yeah. was talking about um, uh, crypto adoption. And he, his point was a lot of people are buying crypto just to hold and mm-hmm. sell. Not really transacting. Yeah, when, know, when so the price increases. Um, so what we're having now is with the crash, we are now seeing people who are genuinely interested in investing in this mm, not just not, buying not and necessarily selling buying and, and selling so so what people would naturally do is buy in january but then december when you want to do that is december, december of course sell. but now you're not sure so he's saying <laughs> your market um, has gone exactly. time minus 25 <laughs> you want to sell it sell now. i mean the prices today is around eighteen thousand dollars <laughs> yeah that's, that's quite low from what we had even in january this year so mm. it's, it's bloody damn <laughs> will survive <laughs> <laughs> so look looking at the list um some of that the, the the other countries on the list had been a bit stable um mm-hmm. vietnam was number one last year and vietnam and still number one, still yeah. number one. I, i'm still trying to understand what is it about vietnam that makes them the number one adopter of crypto in the world but we'll check economy it out economy and <laughs> everything yeah yeah so economy but when you look at the other people in the top 10 you see that they, they have a quite stable economy mm. so that argument sometimes is doesn't seem balanced because at number four we have india 
at number five we have the united states at number 10 we have and you also have to argue population that that one too possibly yeah so um uh, we we had a conversation with uh, senator there the 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 leader of siban blockchain association of nigeria and he was telling us that one of the reasons nigeria dropped on the list is because the index for measurement had, had changed so last year we were just looking at the population of people holding crypto but this year they're also looking at other factors um, including corporate orders wins i never knew what wheels was yeah so wheels orders are those guys are buying bulk like i'm buying mm, bulk so so nigeria so nigeria we don't have a lot of companies buying into crypto do we even have any <laughs> <laughs> well no one has come out yeah, so yeah. we can't see nigerians don't like to lose money <laughs> so so that's that's the point hopefully if we have corporate adoption mm-hmm. uh, maybe a bit of um, um global buying um so we're looking at if we have nigerians who are willing to buy as a corporate structure um, it, it will give us some edge above these other countries yeah hopefully that's the next stride now mm. let's go for it so let's see next one um net banks net bank in the in south africa um, goes to the metaverse so net bank is a south african co- uh, bank um, they've bought some portion of property is it's called a 12 by 12 hamlet <laughs> on the ubuntu land by africa um that is quite interesting yeah because uh, a few months ago we heard that MTN, MTN also bought <laughs> on the metaverse and it was quite funny like okay why are you buying land on the i wanted to say something but let me not let me not let me not talk don't about say, it, don't, <laughs> say, don't, say, don't say but it's quite exciting so this is not the first um, institution that will be that will be buying into the metaverse space. yeah yeah we had J- jp morgan do that like last year um they bought a sizable portion of the central land i've not been there so <laughs> <don't ask me>. <laughs> <laughs> and some other institutions have followed both, yeah yeah so DF- dbs bank hsbc fidelity investment cookmin it, it does a south african south korean bank and mm-hmm. very many other companies even global tech companies as well you have meta microsoft and all those guys they are buying into it is there something that they are not telling us mm, 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 like, mm, maybe i should mm. go and buy land there first before i buy my buy, village buy, buy your village <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting conversation because yeah. what what gives legitimacy to to new technology is when we have especially people whose opinion we respect begin to buy into it and for a bank uh, following the footstep of jp morgan shows that the metaverse is something that is here to stay mm, that's how it goes mm. and the last story the biggest story for the week adobe acquires figma boom when we saw that news yeah. i was like for all of you Ow. for for all of you i said i'm not adobe i have all my record of figures, so adobe now says okay, give me figma i think adobe <laughs> just saw the fight it's like okay figma and adobe designers because there's always been trolling for adobe xd designers yeah. and all since so adobe just saw that 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 fight and everything i said you know what guys we're going to sort this out now coming mm. figma alpha likes it come to the table, come to the table. Just, just, just now you have no choice than to use yeah. it now i'm not sure if they're going to maybe change the name or something eventually so mm, adobe yeah eventually yeah I, I saw that a lot of people were pinned on twitter yeah it's like supporting a politician that is you're you're abusing the one on that dog then it's very interesting but 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 the money is enticing 20 billion, 20 billion. dollars nobody would that would not sell their company for that even twitter 
Twitter was 44. Yeah, with all the and crisis, so, they say bring the money. <laughs> yeah, recently, they said bring the money. Bring the money. That's why the dragging and everything. Baba, so, Baba, we'll go to court, we'll bring the money. And that guy's CV is very interesting. I was checking the CEO's CV. That guy barely worked in the place for less, for more than a year. Six months, four months in different roles. And immediately was done with that. He just went there to do Figma. And now 10 years or 12 years later, 20 billion. Yeah, Fig- Figma is a very interesting success story. Yeah, um, very, very. Because we know the last uh, funding round they, they had, they were valued at $10 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that they've been having, according to their report, they've been having over $200 million annual net um, mm. recurring revenue. Like, mm. That's on. Now. That's on entire entire net worth since and, and, the company and, has been founded. And yes, and the projection for 2022 shows that they are going to have like 150 percent increase. And as we speak, they're already netting net around 400, 400 million dollars. That's a lot. That, oh, are we in the right trade? I, I actually, <laughs> I I think I would I would go, I would just change my my idea of not being an entrepreneur. Just mm. start something. Start mm. off. Are we in the right trade? Uh, no, no, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> On our next podcast session, Open Mic, we're going to be having conversations about this with our de- designers in house. Yeah. Uh, let's let's just come and come and fight. Yeah, for Idris and Anderson. And come and fight for your Figma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now into the conversation of the day. Um, thanks everyone for following us around the world of tech in ten minutes. Now let's let's have our conversation. The topic is beyond accusations, building profitability user retention in Africa. Um, just a few days ago, mm. a news came out about Kuda Bank, um, and that news took the ecosystem by surprise. Not because um, we were expecting something of that nature, but it was just quite revealing, showing um, how much the startup space is, is difficult to, 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 to work. And um, Kuda Bank has spent a lot on marketing. I could see the numbers. The bottom line is they've lost about six billion in customer acquisition and not so much profit to show um in fact the non-performing loan recorded about 69 percent loss so they they acquired a lot of customers people came in on board so that revelation made industry analysis surely on twitter twitter was our god for a lot of days everybody became financial advisors. analyst yeah everybody <laughs> became analyst overnight and the conversation went back to what exactly is the cost of acquisition you know we wrote an article like two years like a year ago where we were talking about um bbn sponsorship yeah like for this nigerian tech company's new path to massive market adoption and we had a, a lot of backlash. People were saying, yeah, this is not exactly good for the ecosystem. But the truth is, we are having increasing numbers. Mm-hmm. Some of these platforms have millions of users. But the question is, is this um, a part profitable too. part? But we had conversations across the week, and a lot of people are saying, yeah, with over 51.5 million users and uh, an acquisition of about 50,000 users mm-hmm. weekly, according to Kuda Bank's report. How come the startup has been unable to turn its users into a profitable revenue? So is it just a question of its business model? It's a question of quality service. Um, some people also came up to say it's quality service. Uh, some people said, well, I've opened my account and I haven't been able to get an ATM card for years and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to be having the conversation because we are not experts in, in quality service. Really. So we have an expert with us. We have Dr. Charles Ifedi. 
is the CEO of eBanco. Um, eBanco enables businesses to automate customer interactions and deliver services efficiently through messaging apps. You're welcome on board, sir. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so we're excited to have you. How are you feeling today? I'm doing great and I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, <laughs> great. Welcome. All right. So first, um, let's start with you. Um, so you have over 20 years of industrial experience um, with major fintech players. I mean, you know, um, it's a switch. And how would you describe the African fintech space in terms of growth and in terms of prosperity? I mean, that's that's a very interesting question. And the, the fintech industry, I would say, with the term fintech, is probably just about 12 years old. Because 20 years ago, when I started in what is now fintech it wasn't known as fintech it was just basically <laughs> a technology program, a technology solution or a payment solution within yeah. within financial services mm. back then when you look at when you, when you look at it now where basically hindsight is 2020 back then and now i don't think much has changed right in in trying to get into the, um, the fintech space it's all a matter of what gaps exist in the market what problem are you solving so I would say that there is there is still a lot of opportunity in terms of where the fintech space can can go to. Hmm. I mean, recently somebody was asking me this question of: Are there now too many fintechs doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah, the spaces that, on that. That, that, yeah. that was a very controversial <laughs> yeah. conversation. Yeah, are there now too many fintechs doing the same thing? And it's not it's not something that anybody can say yes or no to. I think the, mm-hmm. the biggest, the only person that can say yes or no to that is the market. Mm. So looking back then, what is the, what is available? What is open in the market? What gaps are available in markets and going forward is the same thing. So I would always say that we haven't seen everything yet. So the prospects are still significantly a lot. So that's how I'll, I'll look at it. That, that, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you've been a player at the point when this industry was this nascent stages mm-hmm. and you are here now and i mean one of the arguments we saw on twitter was a lot of people were saying look at the old players the yeah they've other, been doing it for a long time fintechs. how were they able to to maneuver the market yeah, and to maneuver the market with acquisitions and but the question i wanted to ask is what's your take this transition um do you do you really think it's something that is sustainable? This boom that we've had with fintech, and uh, yeah, is it something that that we can be able to sustain? Are we getting it right? That's my question. Um, once again, in 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 the question of are we getting it right? Once again, only the market can tell us can can tell us that. But the question of is it sustainable? That's that's also a question that I ask myself all the time. A lot of us in the space tend to celebrate raises than we tend to celebrate profitability. Mm. Mm. We celebrate the, the the big raises that the company has raised, but when you ask them to okay, tell us a little bit more about your numbers, they don't know what to publishes say. anything. <laughs> so you're you're like, okay, so what exactly is so when somebody publishes we have 150 million users every month or something like that, which is exciting. The question is how much do they pay? Mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen scenarios in I mean around the world companies like Uber that have raised so much money and spent so much money and still are not profitable. I mean years later, but we've seen companies like Amazon too that took twenty years before they ever got became profitable. So mm-hmm. you can look at those people and say that's the same thing that we're trying to do in in, in these markets that we're doing. But the question is the monies that we're raising do we are we raising patient capital? 
Mm. If you're not mm. raising patient capital, we can't stay that long. And and so I would say it is sustainable if you can't find patient capital or if you find investors that are willing to, to take this bet with you and, and, and go the long run. So sustainability is, is a difficult one. So the, the question is, if you have 150 million, 1.5 million customers, how do you actually make money from them? Uh, how do you make money from them? Even if it's not from them, how do you make money from someone else that is willing to pay? So you would see businesses that have so many customers and at the end of the day, what they'll do is make money from somebody else advertising to those customers. Hmm. So you, because those people can't afford to pay you, you're just basically going somewhere else to get to get the to get someone to pay you. So sustainability is going to be dependent on acquiring those customers, keeping those, keeping customers, those customers, and find a way for someone, if not those customers, to pay you for the services that you offer. If you don't do that, then your business is not sustainable. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Three step. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so fantastic. Um, the next question will be what what qualifies as profitable retention because our topic today is profitable retention yeah it's not sufficient for you to have 150 million users how many of them are recurring across the world definition of terms what what qualifies as profitable retention the i mean thank god this is not me going to come up with come up with an answer (laughs) it's 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 fixed around the world right it's the question of how much does it cost me to acquire this customer? If it costs me $10 or $700 to acquire this customer, on the average, right? Basically, on the average of acquiring customers, cost me $10 or, or $700. Just using that as an example, right? If I also take the average lifetime value, average lifetime of my customers, so if my customer uses my product for six months or uses it for nine months or uses it for 12 months, at the end of that period, if I take a snapshot of a period of, say, 12 months and I say this was my cost of acquisition and mm-hmm. I say what is the lifetime value of this customer what exactly which one is greater if mm-hmm. the cost of acquisition is greater than the lifetime value of the customer that is definitely not um, it's not profitable acquisition so around the world people argue it's that the lifetime value should be three times or four times the cost of acquiring a customer well yeah it should be three times or four times so if you still have businesses like someone that is the bank for the free, which is a great product, which is a great concept, there has to be a way for that person to make money because you would see a huge cost of acquisition, acquisition. which includes staff cost, marketing cost, and um, the cost of giving incentives to the to the customer. And then the money I'm making from those customers directly or indirectly should be three to four times that. Otherwise, you would not have a profitable or sustainably profitable business. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Three times. <laughs> three x. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I know I, I read an article, I think about two, three years ago, Dr. Brown, where she was talking oh, about... Okay. Yeah, yeah Niger- Africa is a unique market because of, um, because of our... our a wealth rate. I don't want to use poverty rate. Because, spending power. <laughs> yeah, because of our spending power. And I, I've seen articles like uh, why why non-purchase is your biggest competitor. The truth is a lot of people don't even want to buy the service. Um, and we've seen examples of that. Um, Africa does not have that very sizable addressable market. Nigeria does not have. Um, so it seems to us that all of the fintech players are, are selling to the same group of people. 
um, and that makes it very difficult because I have options. I could use this app A, this mm-hmm. app B, this app C. So entrepreneurs are are, are quite challenged. How how do you keep me to use this platform instead of using these two other options that are available? Especially when the two other options are telling me I could do certain transactions for free. Now, if they get me to use their platform because I could do those transactions for free, how do they in turn tomorrow tell me now begin to pay for certain services? So it's a very <laughs> difficult balance. Uh, yeah. So what what would be the what would be your recommended approach? What what would be the distinctive factor for a startup? If, if I have an, if I have an answer to that, I'll probably but but I mean I, I have a view and it's 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 very personal and, and it could could potentially be controversial. Around the world, the when a business starts from being free, offering a product mm-hmm. for free, and then converts to and then now starting okay it's we were free before we now want to start charging or yeah. we now want to start making money somehow Revenue. what happens is that the the rate of the people that decide to start paying is between two percent and ten percent so it's really small and it's not i mean we're talking of stable big um companies, companies and countries now i would argue that if it is two to ten percent in the developer world mm-hmm. it's going to be like 0.02 <laughs> <laughs> 0.02 yeah. in, in in nigeria so my own view is if you decide to give your product for free or acquire customer using um lower the cost yeah, yeah lowest lower cost so there are, there are terms around that about freemium free trial and those kind of things lower cost as your acquisition model your business model has to be clear where the money is going to come from. If your business model is not clear about where the money is going to come from, and you believe that later on I'm going to just turn on, turn turn this turn this on and start making money from from them, I mean I, I don't think so. So it's like being clear. I mean I'll say two things. One, be very very clear about what your business model is going to be in the long term, right from the very beginning. That idea of okay, let us get them first and we'll figure it out later is possible. But it doesn't always it doesn't always it doesn't always work out. So for example, someone that has 1.5 million people, those people could potentially be advertising targets for other products and services that are essential. Those people could be survey targets. So basically, what are they spending money on? And then you're now selling in quotes, not their data, you're selling the mm-hmm. insights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let us, let us yeah. be on the same yeah. side. Yeah, yeah we're, se- we're selling the <laughs> insights. From their data. We're selling the insights from their data that basically makes us understand that, okay, this is how people yeah, are spending. This is the, and then somebody is willing to pay for that. It might be the multinationals, it might be other people, it might be say, okay, how do I, I mean, so when they, they run an advert of some kind, they see the change in, in, behavior. in behavior. So the first thing is, I would say right from the beginning, define your business model. Mm-hmm. And the second, which is the controversial one, is don't even start. If, when, when, you're, when you're providing it for free, be very clear that that is when you're providing it for free because you want to try things and you want to fix things and you want to do that. But once you have tried, fixed, and all those things, I, I will think it is not wise. This is, the, once again, uh, I will think it's not wise to continue um, the business model that way. It's better to put a price that that you believe delivers value to the people identify the markets that can pay for it and then go and then focus on that market but if your goal is let me get 
15 million, 100 million people on this platform and then later on I'll figure it out. It could work, it could not work. So like try at the very beginning to start trying to figure out what your business model is. It might evolve and change along the way, but don't, I mean, don't, I wouldn't advise anyone to go and say, I'll figure it out later. Hmm. No time. Hmm. <laughs> no time to figure things out. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll, I'll take the next question again. Um, so one of the pain points for a lot of people when looking at the news that we're looking at this the story in perspective was people complained that yeah you're growing in user base mm-hmm. but the efficiency of the service was not improving in fact it got worse i mean it's, it's a regular experience once a startup starts and you you have a challenge you want to call the customer care team at once you your problem know, has been resolved yeah but as soon as they begin to grow expand to other places 75 working days <laughs> you might even be on the call for hours and all of that and and the argument is it's it's like chasing two cats at the same time on mm-hmm. one hand once the startup is chasing acquisitions it seems that's everybody's project like um somehow quality service delivery suffers and at one point, if you really want to focus on quality service, you, you, you become the one customer startup because you don't have time on acquisition. So it's a difficult balance to achieve. And one of the reasons why it is difficult is, is maintaining a solid team. The mantra for the startup is a lean team. So you have 200 people. The 200 people want to focus on acquisition. And at some point, you are seeing that the customers you already have are suffering. How, how do we man- manage that balance? Mm-hmm. I, I like I like that particular question. So I'll start first by by saying that it is more expensive to acquire a customer than to keep a customer. I mean that's very very common and well known that it's more expensive to acquire a customer. So if you have a customer, it is in your best interest to to keep that customer to keep that customer very very happy. So this actually is one of the main things that we focus on in our current company of saying, as you grow your business, as you grow your business, as you think about other things that you want to do, do not forget the part of retaining and keeping your existing customers happy. Research has shown that 95% of customers are okay when they reach out to you and they can reach you. Not that you've solved their problem, so if you if they reach out to you and you solve their problem even better but yeah. 95% of customers are okay that they reached out to you and told you they had their prop that they had a problem <laughs> the big problem is a lot of companies startups and big companies are, are like make it very difficult for you to reach them make it very yeah. difficult for you to reach them and therefore reducing customer satisfaction you've not solved the problem but reduces customer satisfaction so our view is right from the very beginning of every company the same way you're defining your business model, you should define how customers should be able to reach me. Mm. You should define, okay, when they reach me, how do I speed the resolution of their issues? I mean, human nature will tell you that if I can reach you and you tell me your issue is going to be resolved in 75 days, <laughs> right? Example, your issue is going to be resolved in 75 days. It's better than me waiting for, trying to reach you for four or five days and then you resolve my issue immediately because within those four or five days my heart rate would have increased my frustration (laughs) so 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 that that thing of 
being able to be reachable, I mean, 24 by 7, reachable all, all the time is really, really important to, to customers. Mm. And not just being reachable and giving a holding response, being reachable and being able to allow the customer report their issue and the issue is acknowledged, being able to be reachable and let the customer know that they can even potentially resolve the issues themselves without speaking with a human being and, and those kinds of things. So that's, that is our view. Right from the very beginning, a company should be thinking about how to keep their existing customers happy. And when mm. they add people to that new company, new customers, they should also keep those people happy as well. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, this point you made is very deep, <laughs> very deep <laughs> for me. But the, the, the question then will be the cost of maintaining that model. I mean, um, for instance, um, in a place like Nigeria, because of our educational level, basic things, customers find it difficult to, to do. So I could imagine, I mean, um, how bank customer service teams <laughs> manage. Because, I mean, operating a bank app might just be one, two steps or something very difficult. Maybe it could be your very, network. It could be your network. It could be a complex button. It could be something not very visible. So... Uh, people would call in and say, I've been trying to do this transactional money and all you just needed to do was just press OK or Next or something. So people are always um, wanting to reach somebody instead of just trying to use the technology themselves. How do you, how do you have the massive team you need to manage 1.5 million customers who want to call you like almost every time? For the needless of challenge. Okay. I've I've been fortunate enough to to run a, a a business that had not the total customer size as 1.5 million, but as as having more than five million customers using my platform every month. So, <laughs> so if you have more than five million using your platform every single month as a consumer platform, you can imagine the size of the contact center and the kinds of the things that people want to reach you now what we discovered over this during this time and, and the research i, I did on, on that is that about 57 percent of issues that customers actually raise they can solve themselves without even speaking with anyone and our thinking is that even if you have five million or ten million of those customers if they come if they do reach you and you can teach them how to resolve these things themselves the next time they would not need to reach you the next time right so it's it's going to make it is is that process of having that right balance of creating the technology automations that allow customers to self-serve and also being available and reachable at the same time because if you're if they do if if so if somebody calls you on monday and he has the same issue in a month's time he doesn't need to call you again because you've taught him how to how to go about it so once again it's the combination of making sure that you create the automations and self-service options for people to resolve issues themselves for people to do things themselves and still also being reachable um 24 by 7 through other things now i've also come to realize that because because a lot of us are startups it means that we do not want to also incur the cost of 24 by 7. Um, yeah, yeah shifts, have more stuff. <laughs> yeah. what, what I have seen also is that when I when I personally have an issue and I and I bank with this utility company, I said I use this utility company to have an issue. If I can find somebody else that uses that utility company that potentially solve this problem himself, that, that can 
that person may actually be able to help, help me, me. Yeah. help me, help me do that. So that's that's creating a community of some sort of being able to solve things um, within the community is also something that we've not really expected a lot a lot in Africa, and we can potentially also look at for a business. So um, automate, be reachable, and then try and create some kind of community where people can potentially help. Yeah, I mean, help one another is is a, is is how I would. I would see it but it's not that none of them are mutually exclusive it's like you need to try to do all of them so that you do not get a situation whereby people go to twitter and start complaining <laughs> and start complaining start tagging you start dragging you like yeah yeah interesting yeah, so cool. i'm going to pick on the word automate um, mm-hmm. because automation requires technology um, so don't be surprised a lot of startup founders are not not that they don't know that automation exists but they've not been wowed by the magic of it mm-hmm. so they're just used to the system of calling and responding you send an email yeah. and respond uh, people are not u- really utilizing automation because they are not they've not seen the magic and they don't really see it as something they should invest in and for the people who have seen the magic there is that notion that this is very expensive to create and maintain I mean, I imagine a bot or a, or a solution that would answer my question, customers on my behalf. Uh, this could be quite pricey. Um, so, how do we address these two ends? I mean, if it is something you need to do to be able to to deliver quality service and, and maintain um, and retain your customer, how, how, how should people navigate the, the automation question? For for most companies that are business to consumer i would say they have some kind of technology they have internally already right so whether it's the the, the database that to hold their customer information Mm. whether it is the tool they actually use to serve their customers whether it's the um, utility billing business billing platform so they they, every all of these businesses have some idea about the kind of of technology of some sort right so it's not as though they have zero technology and they have no experience with, with technology so it's companies like Ivanko that, that, that are currently run where we actually say, listen, you don't have to focus on what you are good at, right? Focus on being a delivering great billing. We will come and do the automation on your behalf. So we'll work with you to do the automation on your behalf. We'll handhold you through the process of automation and make sure that it is possible for your, for your customers to, to, to self-serve in the future. Look at it like this. Look at this example, right? If the person chose to hire a human being, right, to hire a human being to do a particular task, when the human being resumes, somebody had to train that human being. Yeah. Someone has to teach the human being. When somebody calls in, log into this solution, answer this person, be polite, be nice, and and all of those things. That is exactly what we do. You come and <laughs> teach a platform to do those exact same things. But the mm. difference between that platform and a human being. I'm not believing human beings here. <laughs> no shades. Yeah. The difference between a platform and a human being is that the platform is going to be available 24 by 7. The human being is going to need six, eight hours of sleep. And if mm-hmm. the human being lives in Lagos, a couple of hours in traffic, mm-hmm. right? Well, a machine is going to be up and running and 24 by 7. The other thing about the difference between human beings is that human beings 
than Jaguar. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> can go to lunch. Yeah, human beings can go to lunch. Human beings can can um, move to other companies. Can be moody. And human beings can be moody. So, it can so, be going through breakfast. Yeah. So there are so, there are so many things that human beings can can do. So it, our thinking is that whether you're a very small business, you're a growing business, you're a large business, the ability to um, to grow with your customers is really really critical and that's where companies like ours actually help companies to to navigate navigate that area we we still strongly believe that human beings are necessary so using my own personal experience on the average i believe that we can automate about 80 percent of what customers want but there's still 20 percent that we, we that we are not yet uh, fully capable of automating because they could be completely convoluted, completely complex. They can be weird out of the out of the both things. So we still need human beings on the other end yeah. to be to be reachable. But as you automate and automate and automate, you actually realize that you need fewer and fewer people to 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 solve the main twenty percent. Now, if the company <laughs> is big, twenty percent is a big number as well. Yeah. So yeah. if the company is small, twenty percent is it's small. small. So it's basically working with a company like a banco to get up to eighty percent of your automations possible, and, and then customers, on yeah, and they can focus on the on the twenty percent. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, this this just popped into my head. Um, some people don't feel comfortable if they don't speak to the man in charge. Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've been in banks before. <laughs> someone just come in and say, "I want to see the manager. Can I help you? I want to speak with the manager." So, um, so manage? are you saying those people will be catered for by the twenty percent human intervention, or is it possible to be so efficient with technology that people will, I mean, it's gonna solve my problem? I'll I'll say it's both. I'll say it is the twenty percent can be catered for, or those people that want to speak with the manager can speak with a human being. And the reason why most people come in and say, I want to speak with your manager is because they feel you cannot solve my problem. Sure. But if the manager is not in the office that day, no, what would you do? You would speak <laughs> to the person that is there. Sure. So, so if the manager is not in the office, if you can't reach someone and there's a bot that is able to solve your problem and the bot solves the problem that day, when yeah, you come yeah. the next time, mm. You will not need to. You will not come and ask ask for the manager. So that's why I say it is both. It is it is both things. Now, if the person does speak with the manager and he waited a couple of minutes to get to speak with the manager, and the manager solves the problem but tells the but tells the person, listen, next time you know that you wasted thirty minutes trying to reach me. You waited one hour trying to get to my office. You could have just done this 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 yourself. I will think that even if the person no matter how stubborn the person is, the person will try it next time before speaking with, yeah. with the manager. So my, my view is it's a cultural shift that is going to happen. Um, once again, when when in, in, in my former business, it took, I would say, three years before the concept of, you know, back then, people will go to, I mean, people get paid their salary and they go and withdraw everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so it, it, it took, long queues. Yeah, it took and long queues and all those things. It, so it took time for when ATMs started being deployed and they became more stable. I mean, ATMs are always stable. POS started going everywhere. I mean, and and it took things a couple a while for 
for adoption to become ubiquitous. Mm. And so my view is that we are we are starting that stage now as a country, as a continent, whereby we're starting to we're going to start adopting these automations. And I mean, like I said earlier on at the beginning, when you asked me about something being nascent, if you start as a technology provider now, if you start when the market needs it or knows that they need it, you're already late. You need to literally mm. be there to create, to create the, mm. yeah, to create the the market, and so that when they actually realize that okay, I can do this thing, because think about it today, right? If you wanted to speak with your friend, particularly this younger generation, the likelihood you're going to pick up your phone and call your friend or send your friend an email is very low. Mm-hmm. You will pick up a direct messaging platform mm-hmm. and send a message to your friend. So why don't we make it possible that every business in Africa can receive a direct message from a human being <laughs> and can get served on that platform as well? Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, as we close, can you just share with us like um, a brief of, of your personal story? Like how has your team been able to, do you have examples of how you've been able to help people automate their process? And in the first place, I'm curious to ask, how did you m- make up your mind to do this? so the make of my mind one is is a simple one and like every business you have a personal experience most of the time that leads you to 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 do to do what you're doing because you believe that if i'm having this problem you now go and research and you find out that hundred thousand other people people are having having this problem and it's i mean i had this personal experience not 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 to nigeria that i went somewhere and i rented a car and the car, it, it, it didn't have a problem, but I thought it had a problem because the check engine light up, I mean, came on, and I now started calling to speak with the to speak with the with the company. The managers, yeah. And I mean, you know that lovely sound. You see, the music is playing. You're hearing. <laughs> your your call is important to us. <laughs> Please hold on. Please hold on. And, recorded for customers. Yeah, I mean, all those kind of things. And and I'm on the phone for 20, 25 minutes, and nobody picks up. And I call the following morning. I do the same thing again and I'm on the phone for 20-25 minutes and eventually I speak with someone. And when I speak to the person, the person asks me two questions. Ask me what is your the automatic reading of your car? I give them the answer. And the person asks me, okay, you know, what is your policy number first? I give them the policy number, then what is the automatic reading of your car? And I give them and the person logs into something. And so it took the person two questions and logging into the system to tell me that my car was actually serviced okay, they just forgot to do something. So I was like, so you mean that I took 45 minutes of my life and overnight because all of a sudden when i saw that i couldn't drive anywhere anymore i stayed mm. put wow. so it's created an anxiety a frustration and yeah uh, so so that that kind of experience was like like a trigger to say okay i had this same kind of thing in my former business and i started doing a lot more research around that and then went this direction of saying okay Let's make it possible. Let's take away the first 45 minutes and overnight. Let's just solve the problem in two minutes instead. So that mm-hmm. it will make the customer able to reach the business anytime and solve their problem anytime. Then we'll take away those 45 minutes and we'll take away that time of, of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So at, at Ibanco, that's basically what we, we focus on doing. We, we work with organizations and we our goal is to 
one like first of all make them reachable on all channels that customers are on so whether the customer is on whatsapp customize on facebook customize on twitter customize on google customize on instagram whatever channel they customize on will make the customer be able to reach the business there uh-huh. now the business will be like ah if i'm reachable there does that mean that i have to have someone on all these channels no what we also do is we aggregate all those channels and then we'll put everything on one screen so that no matter where the customer is coming from the business is able to see the customer on that one screen then after mm-hmm. that process, we then take the top issues that are coming from customers and start to automate them one at a time. So that as we do that, the number of customers that are getting to um, human beings continue to reduce and reduce and reduce. And our goal, like I said, is to get to 80%, if not 100%. <laughs> but I mean, our goal is to get 80% of those things. Mm-hmm. And then only 20% of things in the schedule. So that's basically what we focus on doing and that's how we help businesses. Interesting. That was interesting. So (laughs) the final question, how would you describe the future of um, service delivery in Africa? My my suggestion is that everyone is going to come to that same conclusion that I said literally at the very beginning of this of, of this of this talk. Last last. Last last. <laughs> that <laughs> it is it is cheaper to keep a customer than to acquire a new one. So as people are creating great services, are creating great solutions and offerings around around the world, they would also start thinking service delivery is not just about the service that I provide. Service delivery is that I remain reachable and I can and I can solve my customers' problems. So I would say the future is going to be what people are currently doing, which is basically focused on trying to get more customers and serve better. But I also believe that we'll come to the time whereby the same way people stop going to withdraw all of their salary every <laughs> every month once in Spain yeah. and started using other alternative solutions. People are also going to business are also going to start to know this and if I want my customers to reach me, I should make sure that my customers are, I mean, are able to reach four by seven. Sure. Consumers also are going to also get comfortable with speaking with machines and bots and eventually human beings if if, if necessary. So that's that's where I see service delivery going into the future. Sure. Ah, interesting. Sure. So 100%? Well, let's try for 80. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> cool. So Africa, we've had... Um, an exciting conversation with Dr. Charles Ifedi on um, Beyond Acquisitions, Building Profitable Businesses Through User Retention in Africa. Yeah. And I'm sure you enjoyed our conversation. I did. Yeah, um, it was. It, it was gave us from a very deep wealth of, of understanding that space. For me, um, we don't play in the in the user space. We just write Not stories. We, we discuss. Um, <laughs> we do the podcast and we organize events. Well, it's in, in, insightful to know that we could get to that point where businesses could be reachable, could offer quality services um, without spending so much on you know, acquiring a lot of team members. Thank you so much, sir, for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, um, if you have not followed us on, on our handles, I don't know. I don't know. What are you waiting for? I don't know what to do. That means, <laughs> what should we do? I mean, well, I do. Okay, register for conference. Will you do that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shall do one. Shall you should do one. Yeah. We'll yeah. So until next time, we'll see you next week where we're going to be sharing an exciting conversation. At that point, it's just going to be three days to conference. Mm. If you have not so registered. By then, then uh uh-uh. mm. what mm. happened now? Mm. 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 All right. See you same time next week. Bye for now. All right. <laughs>